Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. Welcome to Indie Comics! I am Maddie. And I am Jeff. And we are here to talk about The Margins, which the is margins. a super, super cool fan-based press book. Yes, indeed. Um, it just came out, so you guys have to check it out. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, and we're just going to kind of dive in and, and start talking about What was your first reaction to the book? Well, my first reaction to the book, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking like, wow, this is very meta when it comes to all the <laughs> layers with re with regard to this. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but when you deal with a story about someone who wants to create a comic from a pre-existing story that his ancestor had and then find that it leads to a world that is very real, in fact, it kind of leads you to think, wow, it's it's kind of it kind of leads one to think about creations, about how serious we get about this kind of stuff. And if anything, it just, it was an, a completely wonderful world building kind of thing, especially with regard to the Elad uh, world that was, was found in this. And I loved all the references. I mean, you saw so much of Lovecraftian type of mytho mythos kind of in this. You saw a bit of the Hyborian age with regard to Robert E. Howard's here with regard, especially in the Elad. And that artwork was just, just off the bat, some of the most beautiful stuff I've seen in some time. I love the contrast about how they went from the black and white type of stuff to color to black and white whenever you do that. So I would tell you right now, very, very meta, but at the same time, some very grounded topics you can you, you can scratch on the surface and something you can definitely understand. It may seem kind of like a mind screw at first, <laughs> but it's something you need to keep on with. Well, yeah, and I feel like it's very, like... I don't want to say simple because that doesn't feel like the right word, but it's easy to follow. Like it's complex, it's easy but to it's easy follow, to follow. But at the same time, it's a very complicated yeah. type story. It is. It's simplistic, complicated, I guess you can say. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's just such an interesting concept of going into like, what does it mean to create something? Exactly. You know, and, and whether you're creating something in this world or you're creating a story and where does that exist? Exactly. And this idea that there is maybe another world out there that you're kind of forming with your creativity and with your words. And I think that's such a beautiful concept, but it's exactly. also kind of a scary concept. And I think they dive into that really well. Well, this concept where it gets all starts to get all scary is that, you know, essentially it wasn't just well, it wasn't just Gordon's creation. Gordon's the guy who wants to write the book with his with that artist that, that he hires on to do it, Charlie and all that until he realized is that, hey, this is a pre-existing story. And, of course, you know, one would think, well, the guy's in the past and everything, what's it going to matter? The only thing is, all too well, he realizes just what that means, actually, for, for, what the, for what the original creator of the story is and how he gave form to this entire world that apparently had no names, no nothing before he ever came. And yet he seemed to give it everything that it was. So, again, that's the meta, that's the meta in this story that's going about here. And it's one of those kind of things that you really have to like you said it's a it is it is very it's simplistic in a way but there are so many layers to this it's almost like you have to be detail oriented yeah, to enjoy catch it all. to catch it all <clears throat> and i'll tell you right now i caught myself at least once or twice having to go back maybe a couple pages just to make sure i caught that particular point yeah. because of uh, of all the of all the things that are covered in this but at the same time it's so accessible at the same time that i really don't see that as an issue that's something that if you need to go ahead and do it and you read at your own pace. Of course, you know, it takes me not that long, but you know <laughs> what? Other, other people need to go back and forth. Yeah. That's, and that's what I really loved about this. But I'll tell you right now, 
Another thing that stood out to me about this book, it almost seems like the lesson from this book could be considered uh, how to write comics 101, actually, is what it is. Because you really see the entire, you see the process of what these writers and the artists do in the artist world, especially with regard to what Charlie was dealing with. So that it was just so amazing to see all that kind of stuff right there with what Charlie was dealing with at, in her own personal life, as well as trying to get the book out. And furthermore, even after, you know, all the bad stuff is done and, you know, and that righteousness has won the day, she still has the idea in her head to make the to, to make the book. So it, it's as much, I think, a process as it is anything else. And I really enjoy that about this work. Yeah, I think it's fun that um, that it kind of gets into, like, what is it like as a writer and what is it like as an artist? Mm-hmm. And you get to see very much so. <laughs> I think I wrote in my notes somewhere like, writers writing about writers and artists drawing artists and like exactly. it's this kind of you know meta as you say but like kind of great to go into it um and really talk about like what is that like what's the process like and i i know that um you know in our interview we we talked with uh with david and amanda kind of about mm-hmm. it's isolating sometimes because you, you're on your own and like you, you're so. collaborating with other people but at the end of the day if you're writing you're you know writing by yourself or you're drawing by yourself um and and that is a little isolating, but then it brings you into this community, but you have to take the step into the community. Exactly. Um, Especially with so that whole poignant. thing when Charlie was trying to inter- um, invite him to lunch and everything in the park. And you're, of course, you know, they're kind of like thinking like, mm, lunch, lunch. Do I want lunch? Yes, I want lunch. So let's go ahead and take care of that. Yeah. And so Everybody it's like, eats. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they have their own thing going on, but at the same time, collaboration is something very important to this. Obviously, you know, Gordy couldn't do it all on his own because he's not an artist. So, you know, he just does the writing. Charlie seems to be very good at what she does, so they're collaborating. But it's one thing to stay in correspondence about that kind of stuff, but it's a whole other thing to actually come come together and collaborate on something and bounce the ideas off of each other. Yeah, and expand that relationship into a friendship. And Exactly, uh, exactly. And, yeah, and that's well, something, too, that, like, there was so there's this movie that I watched kind of recently, actually, even though it's it's been out for a couple of years, I believe. It's called The Words. The Zoe Words. Zoe Saldana and... Um, what is his name? Bradley Cooper. Okay. And it's like he finds this manuscript in a um, briefcase that they had bought at like a, a thrift store. Okay. And it's this old story. And the story is just so good. And he's a writer and he's like struggling. And so he basically just ends up like typing out the story again. Right, right, right. And then he just like publishes it. And like the consequences of that and like is mm-hmm. the person alive and all these things. And like I won't say too much about it. Go watch it. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but just that concept of like taking someone else's story and like making it your own and running with it and like that's kind of what Gordy's doing by taking but then you have this spin of it's his great great grandfather exactly and like they're related and like but then it's interesting that once we get into um you're gonna know his name and I'm not Kent oh yeah yeah uh Simon uh, Kent oh I remembered a thing Simon, yeah, Simon Kent look Simon at me Simon Kent was his name although because I when didn't he even look at my notes although the be name impressed. that he takes on by being in a lot is Typhon Kent yes but, so he, he becomes Typhon, a new character does he have a different last name I don't know. Typhon Creed. That's right. Because then they Creed, call it Creedland right. yeah. in the real world. Creedland, yeah, exactly. Remembering things. Especially for how all the goblins were calling it, you know, <laughs> they were calling it uh, Creed's Land or Creed's yeah, Creation cool. and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was pretty darn cool. And there's a couple things that I don't want to, there's there's a couple surprises in this book that I really don't want to spoil. Um, so I'm going to try to dance around those, but also kind of talk about some plot points that I thought sure, were really sure. interesting. And I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's interesting that Simon Kent, then the person who originally wrote this story, that Gordy, his great grandson, or somehow their great something, um, descendant. descendant, descendant. There we go, yeah. descendant. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. Um, 
is adapting into a comic book because he's like, wow, this would be so cool. Let's yeah, do it. Exactly. And he found an artist and they're working together. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to share. So, like, I don't think this is a huge spoiler because it happens kind of rarely. But he is still kind of around and has, like, disappeared into the story, basically. Mm-hmm. And you have this idea that he doesn't want to share it with Gordy. Exactly. And that's something that I thought was really interesting because, like, wouldn't you want to bring your descendant into the story and, like, share it with See, like we talk see, about the isolation. And you see, that's where that's where the story took kind of a turn of what, you know, I kind of saw the Narnia reference there that he mm. eventually becomes into that part that he eventually comes enveloped in that world. But he does. But he becomes selfish about it to the point yeah. that, you know, he, well, does something very dark that he eventually comes back from the world about. And, you know, I won't spoil what happens there. Yeah, but, but yeah, just that idea that you don't want to share your yeah, you creativity don't want to share it. and you don't and want to share that story. it's not just him because he eventually warns Charlie about it, too. It's yeah. like you will, I mean, what's the word that he says specifically? Don't think about it. Don't even think about it in your dreams anymore, yeah. he says. And well, it's, it's just such a selfish way of looking at it, I guess, exactly. because you could bring people in who could be creators and storytellers. And it's, inter- and it's interesting because I remember in our interview that they were kind of leaning on looking at the whole racial aspect of that. And yeah. I like, I didn't really get that at all. I think he just doesn't, doesn't want to share it with anybody. I think it's like, I mean, I mean, especially Charlie, but I would say, you know, that seems like it's like, hey, Elad is my world. I created that world. I don't want to share it with anybody. I'm going to go to whatever lengths I am to protect it. Well, I think that's part of, too, when you get into, like, are writers and artists creating something for themselves? Are they creating it for someone else? Exactly. You know, like, who's the audience? Like, oh, I wrote this for me. Well, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's cool in one way, but also, like, you have to write for other people and, and like, tell a story that will resonate with people and inspire people. And, like, I mean, that's just my opinion. But oh yeah, I think that that kind of addresses that so clearly. It comes back to the very question when you're doing the writing, who's your audience that you're actually thinking of when you're doing it? Yeah, and do you have a very specific audience that you only want it for? And, like, they talked in the interview about gatekeeping, which I think... Yeah. Who I have a lot of feelings about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> as a uh, as a female who has cosplayed for, like, 12 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and just a side note on that, I mean, Big Bang Theory and all that, I remember when it came out, and we were like, yeah, this show is so cool, and it's so funny, and it's about nerds just like me, and they're making right. Star Trek jokes that I get. And then there were no female characters who were, like, into comics. Like, there were great female characters, but they're, like, geeky and, like, science-y and not, like, into comics. Yeah. Like, at no point did Amy or, you know, none of, Penny, none, none of them wanted to watch Star Trek at any point in time. Yeah. Like, that wasn't for them. And that's fine. But I was like, you're never, after, like, how many years has that show been on and they've never introduced a truly nerdy character? Yeah, they never introduced something like that. It female almost character? Seemed, yeah. There was like, ooh, a girl came in the comic book shop. And I'm like, I know so many comic book shops owned by women. Like, come at me. Yeah, exactly. I worked in one briefly. <laughs> like... Anyways, and so it's just like those stereotypes and those gatekeeping things where you say yeah, like, yeah, oh, exactly. well, this isn't for you. Or like my friend worked at a comic book shop and had a Captain America backpack for a while. And everyone would be like, oh, do you know that there's comics about him? Have you ever read well, a Captain America comic? F- and she's like, yes. It's really funny because that's almost like it's a reintroduction of the old Victorian concept of the separate spheres that, you know, hey, those people have their particular thing. Yeah. You have yours. And therefore, not, none of them shall overlap or something like that. Yeah, well, it's and, like you stay in your lane, I'm in mine, and like it's exactly. not a good way to live, guys. And you know, I mean, that's why. Live. That's why. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, could be better. It's it's one of those kind of stories, and there's many, and there's plenty of messed up, messed up things that happen in it because you know, yeah. not only do you see, well, I mean, let, let's be honest, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but these two worlds eventually start to bleed in together yeah. because you know, and the ironic thing is, I want to say this is too much of a spoiler, but the ironic thing, it's done through the ink. 
which essentially yeah. is through the wounds that he suffers by going to that world for the first time. And eventually Charlie does it as well when she's doing her sketches yeah. and, and, and inadvertently tapping into this entire world. Well, and this ink is a metaphor for blood. Exactly. And then, like, stories are our lifeblood and stories are what, exactly. what we're made of. Ink oh, equals blood guys. and all that. It's like, oh, it's, it, it's what just a amazing. metaphor. Exactly. Go and, read this comic. It's and you just great. you see you see so much transition between the two worlds. Yeah. And sometimes it's lethal, sometimes it's actually pretty comical, especially when you get <laughs> dozens of goblins beating out down on a taco stand. Right. With this amazing was, art. Which was pretty which was pretty amazing actually. Well yeah, and I think it does. It shows like this one world that's colorful and then you have this like male white gatekeeper kind of trying to keep everyone from the colorful world and keep And you know what's funny them. about him is even though he is the gatekeeper to this world, it seems like he's a small fish in a big pond because it seems like nobody gives him the respect in that world well and that's so that's something that i thought was interesting too is there's this one part where he's talking about like so he basically has created the world that he lives within yeah. and he um oh hold on i have guff. the quote let's let's the, get the quote to is it from taskmaster guff no well this one's actually from before where he talks about um like that this is like where oh i can't find it um but he talks about like this is like why do i choose oh here if i am truly the author of my paradise why do i deprive my own pantry why do i write away the goats the boy the milk so like he he like wrote this story of like the goats were taken in the night yes and like i think he's like punishing himself in a way like he realizes that what he's doing is wrong and that he he doesn't deserve the story by himself and so he's taking away parts of the story to himself i don't know i thought it was really interesting that's true. And I, you also see it kind of in his interactions with the denizens of Elad. Yeah. Because the one that I like especially was what, was the talk that he had with Ta- Taskmaster Goof. Yeah. In which Goof tells him, hey, all you merely did was just give name to everything that was here. We were here long before you ever created yeah. us. We'll be long. And I think he also said something to the effect, we'll be long. We'll be here long after you're already gone. So it's like all you've done is given us a name. But, you know, this is our world. It may be called Creed's world for now, but we've always been here. So well, and to that point, I thought, um, so to kind of go back to the like racism, misogyny, all Mm -hmm. all that fun stuff, um, there's a quote from Charlie, um, to Simon and she says, oh, hell no. Thinly veiled racism I get. Patronizing, misogyny, old white guy, been there. But you do not get to tell me how this thing goes. And like, I just loved her rejection of his power, basically, and saying like, no, like I write my own story. Like this sure, is, sure. I'm going to decide what happens here. And I thought that was so powerful, right? Right. Um, and not all characters have that agency, but I think Charlie does, and, and yeah. through her Rita, her her girlfriend, and mm-hmm. I think that was just so, yeah, so powerful and so interesting, and like like seeing seeing that rejection of someone else's kind of gatekeeping, and I think that that's something that. As a community, and especially in the, the nerdy, geekery community, it's it's hard. You know, like, I think oh, you have to stand up for things and oh, stand def- up for others. And It's definitely an allegory for what you see in that, especially yeah. in a medium where, you know, it's no longer just, you know, the, you know, white male, uh, the, the white right. male at the, at the head of everything, making all of our books and all that kind of stuff. We're reaching across the aisle to so many other ethnicities and uh, and uh, and cultures and all that for them to give their story. So it's like, you know, it's not just that particular world anymore so yeah i definitely see the parallel to that and that's what i think makes this story even more powerful absolutely and like shout out to fanbase press i love you you're so amazing exactly the team is just great we we talked about this a little bit before so i won't (laughs) i won't overbear it but like if you see a fanbase book pick it up check it out their stories are diverse their stories are powerful they're inspiring exactly. like they're exactly what i'm looking for in a comic and you know every story is gonna be different for every person that reads them but they're just trying to tell 
incredible moving stories and I think that that's so wonderful and they're very exactly. diverse and everybody's from a different background and I love it. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. It's just such a symbolism for, you know, the entire uh, medium of writing comics and, and world creating in general, I think. And they're just, it, it's so multi-layered. It's, it's so much of a complicated story, yet at the same time, it's very simplistic, something that I believe everybody can follow. There's something yeah. for everybody in this well, particular this, book. Like, the art is incredible, and like oh, there's yeah. multiple styles, and you have yeah. this kind of gray-toned black and white, and then you get into this beautiful, gorgeous, saturated color, and like exactly. the transitions for that are just genius. And then sometimes you see a little bit of the world of Yelad bled into the real world, yeah. so you see some color amidst all of the black and white or something like that. It's so amazing. But see, also, yeah. the prose. I mean, I, I wrote a few lines down that I was just like, oh my gosh. But like, I drew little hearts around this one because I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> These are Maddie's notes, everybody. Um, but it's like uh, in the miners' camp, uh, Simon's kind of narrating his life in his serious Simony way, and he says, "You know, they mine Elad for heat, and one, um, sorry, for heat and ore, just as I once mined it for my stories. Yes. Sometimes in our digging, our shovels clanged together. Yes. How wonderful! I know that's a good one. That's what? a good one. Yep." Oh, my God. Exactly. Like, the prose in this is just beautiful. Like, it's just so well done. And I, it's, I mean, a lot of comics have really nice turns of phrase and things. But, like, I'm a big, yeah. like, Shakespeare, old exactly. school. Exactly. That reminds Rostal, you of very old like, school type text, man. Yeah, just the way I, that it's written. I love a nice turn of phrase. And there's so many in this that I just paused for a minute and was like, dang. Exactly. That's good. <laughs> Mic drop. Right? <laughs> it was just so great. Um yeah, and even like, oh, and it, he says, it's not often, but sometimes a puppet sees its strings. Sometimes they'll even give those strings a tug. Oh, yes, yes. And I was like, oh, dang. Yep, regarding all of them and how, yeah, they, they, they already see through what you are. Yeah, That's and even just that idea of like in the third chapter, I guess, an issue, I don't know what to call it because they're all so... Like it's so seamless. But, it, yeah, it didn't seem you didn't like there was the such transition. a vision. No, you didn't. But there was the third one was called Kill Your Darlings. And he has that yes. great line about like, you got to break eggs to make an omelet. And sometimes you have to yep. kill your darlings. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh. Yep. And it has some interesting meanings like within the context of this. But like yep. that part of story and like letting go of the things you care about. Mm -hmm. And like it has so many meanings within the context of this, mm -hmm. you know, comic and in life. And I've never liked that. The Kill Your Darlings. I get it. But it's I don't one, like it's, it. That's one, of the, that's one of those controversial issues yeah. that pretty much there's no gray area when it comes to it. It's like you're either a fan of that or you're not. Well, yeah, because people are like, so for anybody that hasn't heard that before, it's like you're supposed to find the thing that you love the most in your, you know, art or your writing or whatever and then just cut it. <laughs> and be not like, a, not whatever. Unlike, not unlike Thanos sacrificing Gamora oh, pretty much. Uh-oh. That was a spoiler, Jeff. I don't know. This movie just came it's out on, on Blu-ray already, Maddie. Come on. If you ain't seen that, it by now, you ain't know. never going to see it. But yeah, like just this <laughs> idea of like you, you take the thing that you love the most and it's like blocking you from seeing the story. Yeah. In a different way. But it's like, what if that scene was really good? Yeah. What if you your favorite scene is the best scene? Like, how do you know that that's true? That's true. I don't that's know. True. I have a lot of questions and concerns that's why about I it. Think, that's why I think the end of what... what <laughs> What she, what Charlie does to him at the end, yeah. the quote unquote sentence that she gives him, I think it was appropriate because bum, it's bum, like bum. absolutely, exactly. I won't, I won't spoil what actually. Yeah, what, this what, one you've really got to read, guys. This Sometimes is one we you tell actually you, have to. Yeah, but it's one of those kind of fitting things where, like, you know what? For all the bad this that he's done, this actually this makes sense. It's like, like yeah, he did a whole lot of bad stuff, but Star what she, Trek, what space she gave seed. to him. Exactly. Where they put Khan on his planet so that he exactly. could be this the lord of it was, as it, he it dreamed. It was the perfect conclusion. 
some nerdy reference. And of course, there. there's just nice happy days for her and Rita in the end too. Ugh, and she still just, carries on the story afterward. Let's just believe that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I just think, yeah, there's there's so much here, and there's so much within the idea of story and the way that we're telling it, and who lets us tell it. Mm-hmm. And how we share it. And I think that it is. Like, we tell the plot of a lot of these comics when we talk. Yes, we do. And this one, I want you guys to go read it. Go check it out. There's some twists. There's some turns. There's some things that you got to think about. Exactly. Go read it. Go tell us what you think about it. Rate, review, and subscribe. What? <laughs> but please actually do that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, another line that I liked was from um, the goblin guy whose name you said earlier. Oh, Taskmaster uh, Guff. Yeah. Um, He says, but for you, author, I'm beginning to wonder whether you've stopped to account for just how much you've erased, eh? Yeah. Ugh. Like, it is. It's like, how much do you write? How much do you create? How much do you erase? And, like, what are you erasing in your own life? And, like, something else that we talked about a little bit in the interview, but, like, this idea of, like, you can be isolated or you can't go out in the world. And, like, how much of your life should you be living in a fictional universe of your own Well, creation? and that's just the thing. I think it's part of the thing about... I don't... I think we tend... I think we tend to take it for granted how much... Yeah. Life... How much, pe- how much people sacrifice their own daily lives just to create these things. Yeah. And that's pretty much... That's the base of the question. It's like, yeah, you've done so much of this creation. How much have you taken out of your own just to create that? Because it's not like, you know, time, it's not like time is relative where, you know, hey, just because he gives back, he's going to get it back later. So, you know, he he did this at a cost and some would argue probably a really great cost. Yeah. And everything in life kind of has a cost in its own way, which is, you know, exactly upsetting, but true. And like that idea of like how much of your life. Yeah. Are you going to dedicate to, you know, whether it's your art or your you know, favorite hobby or, yeah, I don't know, but like people get so distracted and it's so easy to get pulled into this kind of world of our own making and to escape. There's a lot of escapism, mm-hmm. especially in the modern world. And like, I get it. I play video games. I read comics. I write, like I like to escape into things too, but it's like, are you missing your own life in that way? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of great stories about that, but this is one of them. And it really says, you know, go to the grocery store with your girlfriend. <laughs> like, although, like, go, although, go the live. Li- although the line that he gives to Charlie uh, later on, he was saying, hey, what's the bigger lie here, though? What, what was the bigger lie? The, yeah. the, the one based in reality as opposed to... I, I the have fan- it. I'm going to read go, it because that's my that. closing. It's so good. Which is the greater lie? The fantastic or the everyday? And exactly. what would you say, I wonder? Were you able to choose? Exactly. And the thing is, he would ma- I personally think he would make the argument. It's like, okay, yeah, you know what? I sacrificed a good bit of my life to do this. But you know what? Considering the pain that I felt in my own life, I think I made the better decision. Yeah, and that was right for him. And, you know, you'll see what Charlie chooses. Exactly. But, like, I mean, it is. It's like, what would you do? Would you want to choose a fictional world? And, like, that's one of my favorite questions I like to ask people is, like, you know, what fictional world would you live in? Exactly. If you could live anywhere and why. And exactly. Like, and I just think it's so interesting. Like, would you rather be in the Shire and Lord of the Rings? Would you, would rather, you rather be in a spaceship? Like, would, would you? you want to be in a community of Skyrim or something yeah, like that? Yeah, is the grass really greener? Which is ironic because I just read, uh, not to go off topic, but <laughs> yeah. just real quick, uh, a financial company actually in, in London actually estimated how much a house in Skyrim would be actually what? if you were to, yeah, exactly, according to, That's according to like land stuff. I have a and lot it, more money in Skyrim than I do. And apparently it's more so. cheaper than you would like to think, but basically they yeah. estimated that a house in Skyrim would only cost you to buy and actually own the property about 9,700 pounds, which is about 10,000 U.S. That sounds right, though, because I had a pretty sweet, I, had, I was married yeah. to a blacksmith and I owned a little house next to that. Exactly. And he would give me more money, too, from his blacksmith shop. I don't really 
yeah. understand what that no, relationship was, but it was good. I know. I'd be like, hey, honey. And he'd be like, here's 10,000 gold. Like, Thanks, babe. Just, bye. And, see, and, that's what, now. and that's kind of what we were talking <laughs> about here. It's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you know what? It's a fantastical world, but at the same time, hey, sometimes isn't, you know, living the fantastical lie not so much a bad idea as opposed to the real life lie? Well, yeah, and I mean, the other line then from Charlie is, um, well, first there's like a voice, we'll say, and it says, real life hurts, sharp edges, permanent ink, rejection. Yes. Um, Right when you get comfortable, that's when the bottom drops out. Little girl, it's a mess. And it's just like, ugh. Um, And she says, my mess, mine. And it is, it's like owning your life. And life is messy. And it's not, you know, in a fictional universe, like, first of all, in all stories, there have to be conflict. If you're living in Skyrim, there's a dragon knocking your house down. If you're living in Lord of the Rings, Sauron's, like, taking over your stuff. Like, there's conflict everywhere. Is that really going to be better for you, first of all? But second of all, like, even if you could write yourself this perfect, idyllic life, like, is that really better? Would you truly be happier? Or is life about the conflict and the mess and the unexpected changes and, like, every beautiful little thing that comes out of that? And you like you can't experience joy if you haven't experienced pain and sorrow, and you can't words, experience in, good if you haven't experienced bad. And in other words, the struggle is what can make it beautiful. Then yeah, look at us getting there. You go. That's your lesson of the day, guys. Exactly. Share your stories and appreciate all the imperfect, beautiful. And things collaborate, about life. people. Don't keep things to yourself. Yeah, collaborate. <laughs> Don't you know? Be isolated when you need to be, but collaborate with people and enjoy that time and in that creativity and and let them help you become a better version of yourself. And to wrap it up, pretty much, don't be stuck inside the margins. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's, that's it. Mic drop, guys. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. Uh, we'll check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps. Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. Let us know how much you love indie comics. Let us know how much you love the margins. If you've read it, if you're going to go read it, if you're on your way to your local comic book shop to put in an order for this thing now, go get it tell us what you think we want to hear from you you can also follow us on social media uh go on our website thegrandgeekgathering.com for our articles videos and more you can stay updated on our facebook twitter instagram and we stream on twitch the intro is provided by cranston and you can buy the margins on amazon on fanbasepress.com you can order it through your local comic book store if they don't already have it in stock this puppy is hot off the presses go and check it out so come and join the gathering have a great week and g g g that was a good one <laughs>